Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast, and today I'm highlighting our Volume 1 series in which we are reposting the first three seasons of The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio as they originally played. We're currently in Season 2 with uh, more than 450 episodes uh, posted. We're throughout the month of January and February posting an episode a day, Monday through Friday. You can easily uh, follow along and then we will be posting uh, a higher number of episodes uh, later on in the year. But you can check it out, volume1.greatdetectives.net and enjoy the early years of The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio as we played them. Well, now we're going to introduce Meet Miss Sherlock, and the information on this series is rather sparse. This was a CBS Pacific broadcast, which meant that it was only syndicated among West Coast CBS stations. In that way, it was in good company. The Whistler is one of radio's most remembered series, but the vast majority of episodes, there were some uh, times when it was national, but the vast majority of episodes were broadcast only on the West Coast. However, with Meet Miss Sherlock, only two episodes survived, but there's reason to think that there were quite a few done. Some identify the series as only having aired in 1946. However, a search of newspapers.com uh, shows that there were several Pacific affiliates that had Meet Miss Sherlock on their schedule for the fall of 1947. That doesn't mean that the series aired straight through. Uh, some programs did have multiple summer series or would air as a summer series and then be brought back sometime uh, late in winter or the spring, such as Dangerous Assignment. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead and take a listen to the first episode. The original air date, July the 7th, 1946, and the title is Case of the Dead Man's Chest. Uh... Jane. Yes, Peter? Now. Now what, Peter? Will you marry me now? Tonight. Oh, Peter, I'm so sorry. I can't tonight. Tonight I have to solve the case of a dead man's chest. about time. About time to meet Miss Sherlock, as smart a little gal as ever stumbled across a real life clue. The room is dark, except for a cone of light from a hanging bulb shining on a desktop scattered with papers. Two men stare at each other from the edge of the shadow. Now, come your pool. Don't do it. You asked for it. No. One man moving now, burning papers in a grate. The other man sprawled forward, one outflung hand touching the desk calendar, stiffening fingers, points to the date line, July 7, 1939. 
July 1939, seven years ago, and murder in Manhattan. But seven years ago, Jane Sherlock was a kid in pigtails. Surely Jane can't get herself and Peter Blossom involved in that crime. Or can she? Right now, in the office of Blossoms on Broadway, where Jane works for Peter's mother as buyer for the special shopping service, Jane is saying... Peter, Mr. Bloom's an antique dealer, and he bid $275. You know, I must have got a bargain, don't you think so? You go to an auction to buy a set of candlesticks for a client and wind up with a rosewood chest as big as a house. But, Peter, it's an absolutely genuine antique rosewood chest. Sure, sure. And where are you going to put it? You'd have to move all your furniture out to get it into your apartment. Oh, I never thought of that. Well, it's safe enough in the back room here at the shop. At least till Mother returns from her vacation. Oh, your mother will love that chair. I'm not so sure of that. Oh, whoever could be calling the store at this hour? Why don't you pick up the receiver and find out? (laughs) Blossoms on Broadway, Jane Sherlock speaking. Miss Sherlock, you bought a rosewood chest today at the John Slater auction. Why, yes. How did you know? I went there to buy it myself, but I was too late. You paid $300. I'll give you five. Five? Five hundred dollars? Yeah. How about it? It's a woman. She wants to pay me five hundred dollars for the check. Say, take it. What you think is Um, mine. uh, Who's speaking, please? My name is Iris March. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss March. The chest isn't for sale. Jane, Jane, don't be a... What is it? $750 interest? No, no, I don't want to sell I hope you won't be sorry. Sorry? Whatever do you mean? If you change your mind, call me at the Crescent Arms. She hung up. You let her hang up when she offered you 500 for the check. Oh, no. She offered 750 750 Mm-hmm. $450 profit on a chest you can't use, and you let her get away. Oh, no, she didn't get away. Her name's Iris March, and she lives at the Crescent Arms, and she wants me to call back if I change my mind. Well, then call back quick. Oh, no, Peter. But look, honey, that chest's no good to you, and this is your chance to get rid of it at a profit. No. If Mr. Bloom bid on it, and now this Iris March wants it, it must be valuable. Or have something valuable in it. But you can't even get it open. There's no key. That's all right. I'll get a locksmith in the morning. Peter, someone's trying to sleep in. Yeah, I'll see who it is. Jane Sherlock here. I'm sorry, the shop is closed. I don't want to buy corsets. I want to see Jane Sherlock. I'm Jane Sherlock. Come on in. You bought a chest today at the Slater auction. I want that chest. Well, I'll uh, give you a thousand dollars for it. But no, Mister. Um... Never mind that. Fifteen hundred. Take it or leave it. And you'd better take it. Here, you. I don't like your tone. Who are you? In an iron gate. I don't like the way you're talking to her. Oh, you're Peter Blossom, the lawyer. Well, you'd better give her a little advice. Tell her to sell me that chest. I'll give you some advice instead. Get out of here. Take it easy, pal. Out. Okay. But don't say I didn't warn you. I'll call you in the morning, Miss Sherlock. Maybe by then you'll have changed your mind. Oh, nice, pleasant little fellow. Huh? If you had a piece of the cloth his suit was made out of. Why? You'd use it for a checkerboard and have a nice, quiet little game. Oh, stop saying Peter, don't you see if so many people want the chest? Yes, yes, Jane, I'm beginning to see. Come on, let's go back to the storeroom and have another look at that chest. Right. 
Maybe we can force the lock and see what's in the chest. Oh, no, Peter. That would ruin it. Well, I don't see what... Listen. Someone in the storeroom. There's someone breaking into the chest. We'll see about that. Hey, you with the flashlight. What do you think you're doing? Turn the light off. Look out, Peter. Oh! Get this thing off my head. Oh, wait till I turn oh. on the light. Get this thing off me. I'm stuck up, Katie. All right. Oh, still, <laughs> oh, Peter, I can't help you. What's so funny about it? <laughs> Somebody conks me on the head and then throws a sack over my face. There, there. I've got it now. <laughs> <sighs> Boy, I never knew how a potato felt before. Only I was alone in the sack. Oh, Peter, Lord, uh, that beautiful chest. Somebody tried the lid off. Well, now at least we'll be able to see what's inside. I Peter, the chest is empty. Whoever cleaned it out. He didn't have time. Besides, he probably brought the sack to carry away whatever was in the chest. Sack me up instead. But why pry open an empty chest? I wonder. There must be a secret panel or something. Now, Jane, but don't But, Peter, there must be. Why would all these people want the chest? Oh, I found a little panel right in the side. It moves. Either the chest has a false bottom. Anything there? Oh. oh, Peter. Let me see, Jane. In the bottom of the chest. Peter, it's a skeleton. Fauci? This is one time we didn't need Doc Ryan to tell us the guy's really dead. Do we ever, Tollison? Uh, no, see? That's just a joke. Yeah. Well, save it. You won't think it's a joke when the commissioner gets on our neck. And nice work, Gene. We have enough trouble at homicide solving nice, fresh killings without you digging up a skeleton. Oh, but I didn't dig it up. Well, how did it happen? Well, you see, Captain Dingle, I went to the Slater auction to buy a set of candlesticks for Mr. Lashworthy. He's a client of the Blossom Special Shopping Service and specializes in all sorts of lighting things like candles and lamps now, and Now, wait a minute. Peter, maybe you'd better tell it. Well, there isn't much to tell, Dingle. Jane saw this rosewood chest and bought it. And, and we couldn't get it open because there wasn't any key. And I didn't have room to take it to my apartment, and so we brought it here to the shop. And busted it open with a hatchet, I think. Oh, no. The man did that. What man? Why, the man that fought Peter with the potato. Look, Jane, are you crazy or am I? Well, I don't know about you, Dingy. Don't but... call me Dingy! All right. Now, you say you bought this rosewood chest at Slater Auction. That's right. Oh, Slater. Slater. John Slater. Are you talking about John Slater? He ran for judge once, got tied up with a singer, and his wife sued him for divorce. Disappeared very mysteriously years ago. Seven years ago, to be exact, Dingo. Uh huh. See, recently, Mrs. Slater went to court and had him declared dead. It's all nice and legal. I happened to be in court the morning it came up. Yes, yes. It seems I read about it in the papers. Uh huh. Today, all his effects were auctioned off to settle the estate. Didn't take Mrs. Slater long once she had him declared dead. Well, now, don't forget the seven years he's been missing. Hey, maybe the guy didn't disappear, Chief. Maybe he was murdered and the stiff, uh, I mean the skeleton in the box was his. Huh? You know, Tarleton, sometimes you show semblances of normal intelligence. Oh, thanks. Now, wait a minute. 
Why would the girl want to buy the chest if all there was in it was a skeleton? Oh, now there's a girl mixed up. I suppose you'll be telling me next that there were three Hindus and an Indian chief. Who? Oh, no. <laughs> Just the girl and the man that sat Peter up and that man that played checkers on his shoes. Oh, look here, Peter. <laughs> if you don't explain this, we'll be here all night. Now, what about the potatoes? Well, that's what well, Peter said he felt like when the man put the sack over his shoulder. Shut head. up, Jane. <laughs> well, Peter. Well, in order of their appearance... Three people tried to get that chest from Jane after she bought it at the auction today. Four, Peter. You're forgetting Mr. Bloom. You know, oh. the antique dealer. I think we can count Mr. Bloom out of this. He's a legitimate dealer. He only bid on the chest at the auction. Oh. Who were the other three? Well, first, a girl named Iris March phoned. Iris March? Uh-huh. Never heard of it. Why did she want the chest? Well, she didn't say. She barely hung up when in barges a guy with a suit as loud as a sideshow barker. Who was he? She didn't mention his name. Got a little rough, so I asked him to leave. Oh, Peter was wonderful. He practically threw the man out. Mm-hmm. And what? Well, then we decided to take another look at the chest. We headed for the storeroom. But someone beat us to us. He was in there in the dark. He had a flashlight. He also had a sack, which he pulled over my head. I suppose he brought the sack along to cart off the skeleton. And after he hit Peter, he ran away. Maybe that was the same guy, the one in the racetrack suit. No, no, I think this was a bigger man. How do you know, Peter, if the room was dark? I scuffled with him. Mm. Oh. Well, looks like seven years ago, somebody cloaked John Slater and put the body in the chest. But why wasn't it found before? Oh, the auctioneer said the chest was under a lot of old furniture in the attic. Well, Ryan? Don't ask me to set the hour guest this time. All I can tell you is somebody pumped two bullets into the guy a lot of years ago and dumped him in the chest without any clothes or identifying objects. Hey, Chief. Yeah? How about fingerprints? Carlson, did you ever try to get fingerprints off of a skeleton? Excuse me, Chief. I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, maybe his dentist can help us out. Any fillings in the teeth? Got no teeth. The chief must have worn false teeth, and the killer threw them away. There's one thing, though. What's that? Healed fracture of the left femur. Huh? Stiff had a broken leg that healed, huh? And the leg is slightly shorter than the other. Well, that may help. Now we'll have to see if we can run down this march girl. Oh, I know where she lives. What? Why didn't you say so before? You didn't ask me. Well, I'm asking you now. He said I could call her at the Crescent Arms. Oh. Carlson got the number of the Crescent Arms. Oh, uh, I already looked it up. Here it is. Okay. Here's where we have a little chat with Iris March. Yeah, but if she cloaked the guy, she won't be there. She well, one thing in our favor, Carlson, is that none of these people know that the police have been called. Oh, maybe she's out for the evening. She wanted the chest, didn't she? She'll be there. Hello, is Miss oh, March? Help me. He's going to kill me. Now, Tarleton, why won't you let us leave the shop? The chief said not to, that's why. Oh. You heard him yourself, Miss Charlotte. Oh, but Cindy was just upset. Well, he'll be more than upset if I don't do like he says. Well, I think it's me. If I hadn't told him I was much lived at the question arms, he'd never have phoned her. And I... practically heard her murdered over the phone. Now, look, Jane, hasn't it occurred to you that Dingle may have wanted to keep you out of trouble? Trouble? I never had any trouble. No? This looks like trouble right now. Set it, buddy, if you don't get your mitts up right away. Hey, you can't do that. I can't, huh? Watch the other guy go. Hey, you hit Carlson with that gun. Who killed him? Nah, he's just listening to the birdies sing. Anybody else want to try something? Not at the moment. Oh, a wise guy, huh? 
Well, so was the other bird, and you saw what happened. You want some of the same? Thanks, no. <laughs> this guy on the phone looks like a, like, like a cop. I, I hate cops. Shut up, Joe. Signal the boss through the window. Yeah, he, he's, he's coming now. Everything under control, boys? Oh, sure, boys. The guy on the floor got reckless, but uh, he's behaving now. Good. Well, if it isn't our old friend, Checkers. What do you mean, Checkers? Just admiring your suit. What's the matter with his suit? Is that rank back that's... Three Chinos, it's Taylor May. Shut up, Joe. Well, Rags, you must give me the name of your tailor. Rags, huh? Rags Doherty. That's right. And that's too bad. We'll have to change our plans now. Your plans? Yes, we came for the check. Your friend hadn't spotted who I was. We meant to leave you here. Well, not exactly free, tied up and gagged. But now... Now what? Now I'm afraid you'll have to come with us. We're going for a little ride. Peter. Yes, Daddy. Yes. Oh, hello. What do you suppose they're going to do to us? I wish I knew. Maybe it's better I don't. You know where we are? Sure, try know this neighborhood. In the back room of the closed-up nightclub. A nightclub? Uh-huh. It's been closed five or six years. Dad's daughter used to run it. He called it a Bo Brummel. Oh, a Bo Brummel. Oh, this dirty room. Peter, Peter, are you tied up like I am? Yes, please. Let's see, Well, maybe one thing, yeah. No, calling this place the Bo Brummel is just like Doherty. He used to call him glad rags. He always fussed about clothes. Peter, I think maybe I can get my hands in it. Well, try to. Maybe we get him on top. No, no, no. Keep talking. Well, if you step outside and I get you Keep looking your hands up. All right. All right. Uh, Peter, what do you suppose will happen to Tallison? I don't know. Rags left the muggy called Joe to watch him while they brought us here. Well, I'm afraid for Tallison. You know, Joe said he hated policemen and if he finds out... Well, don't worry, Dave. Rags sent Matt back to help Joe bring the chest. We'll keep going, Lyle. Uh, is, uh, is Rags a gangster? He runs a string of nightclubs now, Jane. Used to be mixed up with the Hank Turner outfit. Who's Hank Turner? He's a crooked politician. Rags is a strong arm boy and... Hey, wait a minute. What is it, Peter? Slater. The guy that originally owned the chest was mixed up with Turner, too. That's why he blew town. Peter, maybe that's the connection. Why, of course it is. Slater was a crooked lawyer. The Turner crowd was running him for judge. Uh-huh. And his wife sued for divorce, and they threw him to the wolves. For what? They couldn't stand the scandal. There was a nightclub gal in it, a gal named, um... I think that, 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 that. May, may, may something or other. May North. That's it. Good. Yeah, May North. And May used to sing in Doherty's nightclub. Then maybe Rags killed Slater and put him in that chest. Maybe that's why Rags had to have the chest. Maybe. I wish I knew if Slater had a bad leg. A bad leg? Why? A skeleton. One leg was shorter than the other. An old break. Oh, hurry. Slide right open untie me. Quiet. All right. Not over on this side. I can't get it enough. Yeah. Is that better? Oh, Oh, Jane, hurry. Hurry, hurry. Oh. Oh, Mr. Sarah. I wasn't going anywhere. I'll say you're not. Good thing I decided to look in on you. Sit down on that chair. Oh. Easy, Rack. No need to get rough. Shut up, mouthpiece. Oh, sister, put your arms back in the chair. Oh, oh, my. I guess that'll hold you. I'm sure it will. Hmm. Didn't have time to untie the counselor here, eh? No, worse luck. Well, 
Well, you behave yourself or I'll stick Joe onto you. Joe? You mean the one who hates policemen? Yeah. There's only two things Joe hates worse than coppers. That's lawyers and women. Oh, Peter, I wish Captain Dingle were here. Right this way, Captain Dingle, right down the hall. How long has Miss March lived here? Only moved in last week. I do hope she ain't no trouble. I got a hunch her troubles are over. Well, this here's her apartment. Well, come on, open it up. Yes, sir. I'll uh, show you around, Captain. You'll stay outside. Come on, line. This March girl has killed the telephone. She should be here in the hall. There's no telephone here. Try the bedroom. Here she is, line. Take a look. Mm, plenty dead, Captain. Knife must have gone through her heart. Well, let's get a look at her face. I'll turn her a little. There. Line, do you know who that is? You said her name was Iris March. Iris March, my eye. That's the nightclub canary that John Slater's wife sued for divorce about. That's Slater's former girlfriend, May Noah. Ryan, we're going to have another little chat with that caretaker. Why, yes, Captain Dingo, like I said, she only moved in last week. I see. She was alone? Yes, of course. Did she ever have any visitors? Only once that I saw a kind of stocky man. Bald-headed. A lot older than she was. She said he was her uncle. Uh-huh. Why, and did you ever see John Slater? Nope. The Slater case was before my time. Okay. The boys are in charge upstairs now. You come with me. Me? Hey, I'm no cop. I'm a medic. I may need a witness. I'm going to pay a call on Mrs. John Slater. You see, Captain Dingle, when my husband disappeared, I dropped the divorce proceedings I'd filed against him. And why, Mrs. Slater? I could hardly bring myself to go through with a divorce action against the man I thought was dead. Of course, you do believe that your husband is dead? Yes. That's why when seven years had passed, I had his death legally established. Henry told me that was the thing to do. Henry? Henry Turner. Oh. Ah. a good friend to me all these years. More than that, in fact. We'll be married soon. You're going to marry Hank Turner? That is who. I trust you'll keep his confidence. I dislike publicity. I incurred it once before when John and that singer... Yes, I understand, Mrs. Slater. But tell me, why were you so convinced that your husband was dead? The story is, you see, my husband has rather strange acquaintances. I'm afraid he was mixed up with the underworld. A man named Rag Doherty. We used to see quite a bit of each other. There were others, too. I suppose you might think it melodramatic of me, but... But I think my husband was murdered, Captain Dingle. Uh-huh. I see. Mrs. Slater, your husband had a large rosewood chest. It was one of the articles sold today at the auction of his effects. Remember it? Yes. He used to keep it in his study. He, he moved it to the attic the same night he disappeared. Your husband moved it? 
I don't know. I wasn't home that night. But the next day, the chest was gone, and I never saw it again until we cleared out the axes for the auction. I see. Tell me something else. Did your husband wear false teeth? How do you ask that? Lily routine, Mrs. Taylor. I hope you don't mind. John was very vain. Very few people knew it. But he wore a complete set of tastes, upper and lower. Yeah. One more question, then we'll go. Had your husband ever had a serious accident to his left leg, a bad break that left the leg shorter than the other one? No, Captain Dingle. My husband had never broken a bone in his body. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Slater. Come on, Ryan. Goodbye, Mrs. Slater. Goodbye, Captain Dingle. I'll have the maid show you out. Oh, it's not necessary. We can find our way. Thank you again. Not much help, was she, Dingle? A lot more help than I expected. For one thing, she stirred up something in my mind I'd forgotten. What was that? Rags Doherty had a brother, Gimpy. So? Gimpy Doherty hasn't been seen or heard of since the day John Slater disappeared. did a good job of tying me up here. Oh, Doctor, someone's coming. Oh, we're in. I'm afraid so. Well, while I had to run you, I had to have any chance out here. It's more than I can figure out. Don't fight a figure. With the force's orders. Yeah, I, I know, but they put it down here and shut up. Now, you get out the back door and I'll watch the front. The force is getting jittery. Yeah, but when we the got it... The force is coming in to look at the skeleton to see if it is gimpy. Yeah, but, but he can't do yeah, it. Yeah, then get going. Yeah, but, but I was going to... Get going. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, here we are all together again. You and I and the dead man's chair. Oh, Peter, I wish I'd never seen that horrid chair. Oh, you can say that again. Peter, who's Gimpy? Gimpy? Oh, and that said Rags wanted to see if the skeleton was Gimpy. Gimpy. Jane, I think I've got the answer. Rags had a brother named Gimpy. Maybe that's why he wanted the chest. Maybe he thinks Slater killed Gimpy. I figuring, Counselor. Exactly what I do think. I sent Gimpy to see Slater that night seven years ago to tell him to pay off on a gambling debt. Gimpy never came back. And Slater disappeared. Yeah. And when I ran into May North yesterday, I put two and two together. May North? She calls herself Iris March now. But she was the gal who ran off with Slater. I scared her into talking. Slater's broke. He's back in town to keep his wife from marrying Hank Turner. But how? He was going to come to life again. But May said there was one thing he had to do first. Get that chest. Right, sister. That's when I tumbled. I tried to get the chest at the auction, but it was too late. So I came to you. And you killed Iris. I, I mean, May. Killed her? I didn't know she was dead. We think somebody killed her tonight just before you kidnapped her. That dirty rat Slater. He must have figured she spilled the dope to me. Well, if that's Jimpy in the chest, Slater will fly for both of them. Don't bother to look, right? It's Jimpy. Slater. I've been waiting for this minute. Hold it, Rags, right where you are. You won't dare shoot. I got a man on each door. You had a man on each door. I'm quite handy with a knife. As May found out tonight. She got Matt and Joe. Joe was a little stupid. I made a noise outside the back door. He stuck his neck out. As for Matt, he was watching the truck. <laughs> I came in back. And you killed Zimpy. My kid brother. Don't try anything, Rags. I'm not ready to kill you yet. Uh, look, Slater, I'm Peter Blossom. Oh, I've heard of you. Oh, 
bad, Mr. Blossom. Brother of the bar, too. But surely Trust you're not going nicely, to... you and the lady, like Christmas turkeys for roasting. Very fitting. When I burn this place down oh, over your head. But, Mr. Slater, you wouldn't do that. Oh, but, my dear, I have no choice. You see, John Slater is coming back to life. Nobody has anything on me now except the people here. I shoot rag. And burn this place with all of you. And keep these bones. Don't do it. Don't! Why, you little... I'm going to... There on the floor, Dingo. And so help me, I think she's fainted. Well, Kane, I can't say I blame you for fainting. Oh, it was silly of me. No, it was no such thing, my little screwball. And tumbling your chair against Slater so Rags could get a shot at him, that was the sweetest job of blocking as I ever saw on a football field. <laughs> What do they do with Rags? Well, Slater was killed, Casey. We can both testify that Rags shot him himself to Oh, gosh, I hope we can get him off. You're forgetting one thing, Jane. What's that? Rags and his men made away with Tollison. We haven't found the body. Oh, poor Tollison. What's that? Somebody knocked him. Yeah, it's from that chest. Maybe Gimpy's skeleton has come to life and set his feet. Yeah. Oh. Help me get the lid oh, up. Be careful, please. Okay, they go. Let's your side. All right. Okay. Allison. Allison. What are you doing in that shed? Gosh, I don't know. I just woke up in here with a bunch of bones. I thought I was dead and gone to heaven. But, Chief, now that you're here, tell me, am I in the other place? <laughs> <laughs> Jane, I never thought we'd see your apartment again. Oh, neither did I, Peter. I thought we were goners. I hope we've heard the last of the rosewood chest. Oh, yes, so do I. Jane, honey. No more auctions. No more auctions. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, Peter, the door. Let me go. Oh. Thank you. Peter. Now what? It's a Telegram from Mr. Bloom, you know, the antique dealer. Well, what does he want? We've got to hurry over there right now. He's got another Rosewood chest. Oh, where's my hat, Jane? Here we go again. find themselves involved with a prim and somewhat grim old maid and a parrot that talks too much. Next Thursday at this same time, The Case of the Cockeyed Parrot, another adventure of Jane Sherlock and Peter Blossom when you meet Miss Sherlock. 
by Dave Vale, written by Don Thompson, and with original music composed and played by Eddie Dunstetter, is presented from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Welcome back. Well, and okay, lot detective program. I liked uh, William Conrad in this. Uh, Sandra Gare, who played Jane Sherlock, isn't given a whole lot to work with in this episode, and neither is Jane. But she did that whole feint at the end, which worked out, and I kind of read into it that she did it kind of accidentally on purpose and was being modest about it and not wanting to brag on herself for still serving a useful purpose in the mystery. Uh, and, of course, William Conrad investigating the case and questioning the witnesses is kind of fun. I do want to go ahead and talk about the star, Sandra Gear. Now, uh, Miss Gear was a real mainstay of the Chicago radio uh, scene. She also did some work in Hollywood, which this obviously was, but probably her most noted work was in Chicago. She did a lot of Chicago Theater of the Air. She did several public service programs that came from Chicago. Again, I was, some work in Hollywood as well, but I, I think the bulk of her radio career was in Chicago, and not just during the golden age of radio. According to her obituary, she also was a performer in the uh, Pacific Garden Missions uh, series Unshackled, which continued beyond the golden age of radio until this day. Uh, she got a teaching uh, certificate from Northeastern, she was raising her children. Uh, she did also do some on-air work in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And then in the 70s, 1974, she comes back to Chicago at, to work at WBEZ and just did a lot of on-air work. Interview programs, cooking programs, and then her most noted and celebrated accomplishment came her launch of Midday with Sandra Gear, which was a foreign affairs show which won multiple awards in its eight years on the air prior to her passing away in 1994. So she was a very big figure in the Chicago radio scene for decades and had an amazing life and career beyond anything that we'll hear on Meet Miss Sherlock. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Bettina, Patreon supporter since May of 2021, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Bettina. And that will do it for today. I do want to encourage you, if you not following the program, please do so with your favorite podcast software, including TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives to make sure you never miss an episode. Also, please be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download yours from. We'll be back next Tuesday with one more episode of Meet Miss Sherlock. Join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... seem to have me pegged already. Indeed, I have, Senor Mitchell. You don't sound like you're here to extend me the key to the city. No, but I am here to extend what you may call an official greeting. What is it? It is known why you came to this country. Is it? You're after a dangerous and subversive agent named Slugger 
was rumored to be hiding in or near the city. Is this not true? Well, you seem to be doing most of the talking, Escobar. Why don't uh, we keep it that way, huh? I see. In that case, although we do not see fit to forbid your presence here... Gee, thanks. I warn you, stay out of my way in this matter. Just a minute. Does that warning come from your government or from you personally? That is not for you to ask. Tommy has been granted the high honor of tracking Slaga down. I see. It'd be quite a feather in your cap, I suppose. I am not thinking of personal glory, but of the welfare of my government. Oh, sure, sure. Well, Escobar, looks like we're both hunting the same pigeon, but with one important difference. And what is that? I gather you don't much care whether you take Slaga dead or alive. I would prefer him dead. That's what I thought. What does that get you, a headline or maybe a promotion? Huh? You're being impertinent. Sorry. But you I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.